So in the morning chanting, we we chant about the Dhamma, Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehi Pasko, Hopanaiko, Bajitang, Waiti Dapo, Inuhi. These are the Pali terms for apparent here and now. Santitiko, Dhamma. So this word Dhamma is reality, uh, translated into English reality, the truth, and apparent here and now. So this is like with awareness, then we're, we're realizing Santitiko Dhamma apparent here and now. It's, it's here and now, it's not far away or tomorrow. Apparent. So ask yourself, what is apparent here and now? And not, not in order to, to try to find something, some object, uh, some, some thing that, uh, that seems apparent here and now, because that's a thing depending on time of time or place. But it's a state of being, isn't it? Parent here and now, awareness, awakenness. <clears throat> not not focused, not absorbed or uh, focused on just one thing. But the the reality of awareness, that the intuitive awareness, consciousness, consciousness is this opportunity of of knowing here and now is like this. <clears throat> so since the the body is a conscious form. It's a form, it's limited, you know, the human, the physical body that we have is a limited form. And yet, it's a conscious, it has uh, its conscious form. So consciousness then, sati, sampachanya, vijnana, wisdom and panya, they're all, a oneness now. They're just it's this way. So this is this is reality. This is real, because you're not making it up. It's not a theory or an abstraction, a thought, a memory. When you try to figure it out, then of course you you just get caught into doubts. Because the thinking mind, what's apparent here and now? What should I be doing? Is it, you mean it's just this? Uh, I don't see it, you know. Because one's looking for something. When we say apparent here and now, with we, we maybe your reaction to that combination of words is to start looking for something. What's apparent here and now? The building? <laughs> Monks and on. <laughs> So this is a refuge, and we take refuge in the Dhamma, and then we got Santitiko, Akaliko, apparent here and now. That's a, to reflect on that. Don't try to figure it out. You know, you know that. Make think about it, uh, but use that as a as a suggestion. So you begin to. Have this sense of just open attention, receptivity, awareness. So, parent here now includes, you know, what I'm seeing, the Dhamma Hall, monks, nuns, 
includes the fe- personal feelings that I have in, you know, the physical sensations, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought. So apparently here now it's an intuitive reality, it's into intuition that we recognize reality, not through definition of it. So this is when I say trusting the awareness, what does he mean by trusting the awareness? What do I trust? Because then it goes by trying to figure out uh, what do I have to trust? What is real awareness? Am I really being aware? Is what I think I, when I think I'm being aware, is that real awareness? Or am I just fooling myself? And then you're thinking again. And you're coming from the sense of yourself as somebody that, you know, wants, that, that feels that you should be awake, aware, relaxed, attentive, present, receptive, all this kind of, the, the way that we tend to grasp these concepts and they become, you know, personal uh, challenges or attainments or doubts about our ability because we're not quite sure exactly maybe what, what he means. And then we doubt ourselves and you think about yourself a lot, you, you end up doubting, vichikicha, doubt. So when, you know, I've been through this, uh, you know, because I'm a personally uh, conditioned to doubt. So then the, I remember years ago, thinking, am I really, am I really being mindful? Or am I just fooling myself? Or can I trust this of, you know, esteem myself always from the thinking mind, classifying myself even as a doubter or someone that, do I dare trust just this? You know, I've seen myself through uh, the faults or the flaws or weaknesses that define me as a person. So in, in terms of Santitiko Dhamma, not, I'm not, not meant to be uh, analyzed or defined. It's, it's a reflective prod. So this is anything that, you know, trust anything that where presence is you're in contact with what is happening right now. So like the breathing of your body, that's apparent here and now, isn't it? But don't make it into any kind of, don't complicate it with ideas about breathing and your ability to breathe and and, and trying to, to figure it out. Just, it is, you know, the, the body's breathing, it's like this. So you're, you're actually in contact with something that's happening now that doesn't tend to tend to be strongly identified with a personal quality. And that ordinary breathing doesn't, if we're into pranayama and yogic breathing techniques and we can say, I'm an expert uh, on pranayama. I can do all these fantastic breathing I'm a special kind of breather. I'm an expert on breathing. Then it becomes personal. But one point, not to any kind of special breathing technique, but just breathing is like this. So you can sustain attention on just the inhalation, exhalation, something as obvious and simple as that. That's apparent here and now. But I'm not saying breathing is the Santitiko Dhamma. (laughs) 
you know that that's it. But it not when we focus, when we pay attention to to that which is apparent here and now, but not attach, attaching to it. Not, we're not trying to get samadhi and jhana from practicing anapanasati. We're just recognizing, realizing, using it as 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 that which is happening now. That's quite obvious, quite ordinary, mundane, uh, but necessary, vital to life, to the sense of living within this form. Then the body itself, the posture, the sitting posture, standing, walking, lying down this attention to apparent here now, the body sitting like this. Now when I talk like this, what, what's happening in your mind? You know, what are, you, are you aware of the body as experience of sitting? Or are you trying to figure out what I'm talking about? So the the body, human body, how to use it? Because this is we have to live with it for its lifetime, and uh, not to be rejected or despised. But it can be used skillfully, like in vipassana, gyanupassana, vedanupassana, meditation for the first two foundations of mindfulness. Because the body is coarse, isn't it? It's kind of more solid than your fleeting memories or your mercurial emotional habits. It seems to be more kind of, you know, has a more kind of solid, coarse, more obvious presence to it. So, in terms of wandering thoughts, and if you, you know, if your mind, if you're great, you know, you have problems with obsessive thought and wandering mind, establishing awareness, mindfulness around that which is present here and now, that is not fraught with a lot of self opinions and and emotional uh, reactivity. We're not talking about the body in in an ideal form or as a personal quality, whether it's beautiful or ugly or young or old or male or female, but using it just the the, the experience of of the human body as dhamma apparent here and now, breathing. This stops the thinking if you, you if you're aware of something as obvious as the body or the breathing, the thinking process will stop. The way of training yourself to be with something that is the way it is now uh, and and not be just caught in endless uh, proliferating habits, wandering mind.
Then in uh, the using another way of dealing with the obsessive thinking one in mind is the mantra, like Bhutto in the, in the Thai forest tradition. They, with Lung Pa Cha and that we use the Bhutto, Bhutto, then the breathing in, inhaling Bhut, exhaling to. If the mind tends to wander, because at first I couldn't concentrate on the breath. I was so so caught in the thinking process, and and so out of touch with the physical realities of the of the body, that to sustain and concentrate, hold my attention to an inhalation or an exhalation was I couldn't do it at first. Immediately, I just start thinking about it, trying to figure it out, and then wandering, uh, uh, endlessly wandering away from it. So then, uh, the mantra I found it helped to, you know, it's like fighting fire with fire. You take a you take a thought like a mantra is a is a word, two syllables, and to just think that. So instead of wandering in thought, you know, and going from one thought to another, you you just determine to think this one thought. <laughs> I remember practicing it, but just to stop this madness, this prolifer- conceptually proliferating madness of my mind. I intently, and I didn't, couldn't even do it with the breath, I just kind of tensed myself puto 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 just to just to fill the consciousness with that one sound and I found that you know it did slow everything down the thinking process I have moments where there was no thought and then then puto also has a Profound meaning, and uh, and this they emphasized in in uh, in the Thai forest tradition. They use it as uh, the the knowing, the translated like puru. Ru uh, is a Thai word for knowing. Pu is is a, like a one or that which knows. So, so it's like it's it's re- reflecting on the the experience of knowing now, because knowing the breath is like this, knowing the 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 body, the sitting posture is like this. This is knowing, isn't it? It's a direct knowing. It's not knowing about good posture and how it should be. How, how, what good posture is, and how you should be sitting, if you were having really good, excellent posture, the ideal posture. It's knowing that right now sitting is like this. So, this is consciousness, isn't it? It's, it's vinyana. They call it in Thai. They use the word jitta, the jit. So it's it's knowing that it's like this, the sitting, right now sitting, the experience of sitting, this body sitting here is like this. So it's it's this is knowing, puto, or Buddha, it's, it's the word for Buddha, the knowing, the awakened knowing, it's just this. So contemplate that. It's very simple. It's nothing complicated. You don't have to figure it out. Just recognize it.
And then you say, well, the one who knows the inhalation is like this. But who knows? Who is it that really knows? There's a desire to have a name. Is it, is it, is it an inner Buddha? Is it really Buddha? Can I claim that this is Buddha? And then it goes back into me, Buddha, Buddha as uh, some very exalted being, or however you, you know, that word affects you. <clears throat> me as this person here with uh, all kinds of defilements, problems, doubts. But I say with now we're not we're not trying to. We're, we're simplifying. It's complicated. Me as a personality, it gets complicated. Knowing all about Buddha in the historical sense is complicated. You know, it's, it's all knowing about. It's all sanya, sankara, and, and gets mixed up with views and opinions, historical records, Pali canon, Sanskrit, Theravada, Mahayana. Was there a real Buddha or was this just a myth? Or <laughs> you know, go, go endlessly decide whether Jesus Christ actually existed or not. And, you know, it's uh, the mind just proliferates endlessly in doubts. So this, this is this is not to stop that that proliferating. Uh, habit of thinking just by bringing attention, paying attention, awakened awareness, puto, knowing, breathing is like this, inhaling is like this, exhaling is like this. So obvious, you know, apparent here and now, sitting, body sitting, using the the English word sitting. It's not just to pay attention to the experience of this body sitting. The posture of the body is what we call sitting, it's like this. Knowing it as it is. So it's non thinking, isn't it? It's just awakened attention receptivity, sati-sampachanya. And some, one of the definitions, uh, English words they use for sampachanya is apperception. And so this uh, perception is, is of a thing. Apperception is an intuitive, an, an intuitive moment embraces everything. It's inclusive. A thought moment divides everything. Thinking divides, doesn't it? When you when you when you're caught in the thinking process and you're not awakened, you're just merely caught in the wandering mind, the mental habits, thinking habits. And then you, everything looks very separate. Uh, everything you know is. There's the space in this hall, there's the, the structure, there's the nuns over here, monks here, lay people there, shrine there, microphone right in front of me, and the clock, what time is it? And So then I, I focus on one thing, the clock, the microphone, nuns, the monks, lay people. What's behind me is a shrine. I can't see the shrine, but I feel it kind of, you know, kind of something's there behind me. And I have a memory of seeing it just a few minutes ago. But it's like this. And so an intuition, when I use this word intuition, it's, uh, it's like this, uh, like sati sampachanya. These are the Pali terms. Apperception. I quite like that word because it's a 
not it's not a commonly used English word at all. <laughs> and I didn't even know about it till a few years ago, actually. <laughs> but it is it, it's like intuitive knowing. It's 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 an embracing. An intuitive moment embraces is it's unitive. A thought moment is divisive. So contemplate. Don't, don't take this as gospel truth. This is for you to you know contemplate thinking and non-thinking, recognizing using your intuitive awareness. So that's why when we're caught in the thinking process, it, we do. We feel, you know, the, a sense of separateness and, and lack or in, inadequacy or something incomplete, something unsatisfactory, something wrong or could go wrong. And so this is a dukkha, the first noble truth, the Buddha emphasize a dukkha as the f- first noble truth, not ultimate truth. So it's not a metaphysical truth, is it? There's nothing metaphysical about suffering. Suffering, you know, is, you can be aware of it right now. It's not, not something, the abstract, kind of met- metaphysical abstraction, but it's a existential experience that we all have in varying degrees you know from just mild to intense but this ignorance also is the cause of dukkha not understanding dhamma just merely being creatures of habit just following the momentum of habits and custom and attachment to things and views, opinions out of ignorance, then even if the views are good and and uh, beautiful and all that, there's still, there's something missing. You know, even goodness is not enough. Excellence and goodness and the best is still not enough. There's still a sense of lack. And so then it's, this is the spiritual aspiration in human beings, isn't it? Religion is trying to, an attempt or the expedient means to awaken, you know, once they even put it in Christian terms of find God, union with God, then we're complete aren't we, in the Christian way of thinking. One with God, union with God, is a sense of completeness. And, you know, the idea is, is one of fulfillment, oneness, union, me with God, then there's not two anymore, it's one. Then apply it, and this is a Christian way of thinking, but the, and put that into terms of the, like the Buddhist concepts, which is, you see, me and God, and that tends to, to create this sense of division. It reinforces this, uh, this sense of me as separate from God. Where in the, Using the, the the psychological value of the Buddhist terminology, it doesn't talk about God, but it talks about Dhamma. Apparent here and now. So in this intuitive awareness, then there's union. It's unity. It's the oneness, isn't it? Because it's non, it's, I'm not dividing. I'm not saying I, I have to become one with the Dhamma. Then it becomes me as somebody who has to do something 
to find the Dhamma and, and unite with it? Or is it merely the imminent reality of this moment, oneness is ultimate reality? Paramatta, Dhamma, is merely this. So in this way of, of contemplating, reflecting on, on the experience of Santitiko Dhamma here and now, when, when we let go of grasping the conditions, the thoughts and that out of ignorance, out of avicca, then this, this, this Santitika, Santitiko Dhamma, not thinking in terms of proliferating in thoughts right now. So there's no sense of lack or separateness. It's a, uh, one can feel it as a kind of state of not knowing anything because we, we uh, associate knowing with knowing about a thing, about knowing something. Knowing about is our, is where we feel when we know things we have, we know all about them. About things, ideas, views, opinions, theories. But this takes, this is the thinking mind again. So the thinking mind divides it, this microphone, this clock. But in, in Satisampachanya, or in apperception, there's awareness of these things, but it's not thinking about them, or it doesn't exclude them, or not notice, but it, everything belongs in this moment. It has this broad kind of boundlessness, no boundary. because I'm not f- focused on a thing, but this apperception includes everything, which you can't think about. You've got to recognize it's this, it's merely this. The tendency to get restless, you know, the restlessness because of the habits, uh, emotional habits and thinking and doubting and trying to figure out and understand it, Trying to understand or figure out what I'm saying can make make you very restless or even averse. You know, if you, when when an intuitive sense is, you know, if you can't clearly define something or know something, don't quite get it or can't figure out what 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 he's talking about, then one feels kind of restless and ill at ease and just let me out of here feeling. So this is where, like, learning to be patient with these feelings of restlessness and doubt and and uh, confusion, mental confusion. You might feel emotionally confused or uncertain or ill at ease or whatever, whatever kind of emotional reaction you're having. It's like this. So more and more you're kind of informing consciousness. Be patient, you know, it's a gentle, receptive, inclusive. It's not criticizing, judging, or trying to figure it out. It's it's kind of letting go, it's renunciation, it's surrender, letting go. There's nothing to do, nothing that you have to know or figure out or prove. Just learning to relax, open, trust. Trust this simplicity of sati sampachanya, of awareness and apperception.
And if you're patient with it, and just say things like relax, and you do, you begin to, this restlessness will drop away, and and letting go, and and uh, that you begin to recognize it. It is, it's bliss. To not be attached to anything at all is bliss. We talk about the word bliss. What is that? It's used the oftentimes with people that take drugs. They got blissed out. <clears throat> what, do the, what do you mean by that? Probably because maybe drugs allow you to let go of yourself. Maybe for that moment, you know, you, the effect of the of a drug, you forget all your self-consciousness, worries, self-criticisms, anxieties, and oh, bliss. I don't know enough about drugs to speak from experience. I'm just assuming when people talk about bliss. But then you associate it to get blissed out, you've got to take cocaine or heroin or whatever. You know, you, you start become addicted to the chemica- chemistry, the chemicals, the substances. But people I know who've, who've been heroin addicts and that, this it sounds like a bliss. You know, there's suddenly there's all the tension and and uh, self-consciousness and anxiety and that it goes and it's so blissful to not be caught, trapped, bound, fraught into the habits, uh, self-consciousness, worry, anxiety that comes through attachment to the five conducts. So then in meditation, you know, you're thinking, uh, you know, the fifth precept is uh, refrain from addictive drugs and drink. <laughs> because, you know, we're not trying to get this state of bliss through substances that you get dependent on, but realizing a natural state, the reality, the awakening to reality, Santitiko Dhamma. At least that's when I, how I experience bliss is 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 uh, non-attachment. Because attachment out of ignorance to anything is. Puts, con- makes me contract back into the birth again and becoming this person, the 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 head monk, the this you know Ajahn Sumato and all the rest. You know, the whole the whole world arises uh, and the division, the separation, the duties, responsibilities, the this and the that, and the whole world manifests itself in its old ways. You know, so, you know, I'm born again, Ajahn Sumedho. And, and then all the, the uh, reactions to, to those attachments, to those identities. So, so then now that's conventional reality. I'm not, it's not that I, I you know, I, I'm so advanced that I never think of myself as Ajahn Sumato, or I'm completely solved that problem. And uh, the, I'm not Ajahn Sumato. It's a permanent. Not <laughs> 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 in in the you know, Lumpur is always talking about Paramatta Satcha and Samuti Satcha. This is ultimate reality and conventional reality. So, so Bharamatta Satcha includes Samut, 
samuti satcha, you know. The conditions, the the way they are, the the nature of all conditions is impermanence. Sapasangarani chara. On a conventional level, you've got to let go of the conventions to realize paramatta satcha because a, attachment to conventions block off that prevent reality from seeing, from recognizing, realizing paramatta or ultimate reality. So that's why this, this, uh, on a conventional level, attachment to the conventions, even the, you know, the best conventions, Buddhism itself and all the rest, the attachment to these conventions actually, you know, you, you, you never re- realize all paramatta reality. So it's not getting rid of the conventions. Then the, the thought goes, well, let's just not have any conventions. That's another idea, isn't it? That's dividing. The, the problem is the conventions. We shouldn't have any religious conventions, monasticism. We shouldn't, you know, have the, all this vinaya. We shouldn't uh, be belong to any religion. We shouldn't define ourselves. And this is idealism again, being idealistic. Because, but it's still, but it's a divisive thing. If I'm against conventions. Then, then I'm, you know, this ta- it takes me to start thinking. I have to start thinking. Oh, conventions block off ultimate reality. Let's just get rid of them. There's a, a logic to that, isn't it? It's a logical deduction. If something is in your way, you get rid of it. It's an obstruction. You 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 move it. Get rid of it. Get outside it. <clears throat> but in awareness. Yeah, sati sampatanya, apperception, and the conventions belong, you know, that's part of this, this uh, Dharma. It's like this. The conventional reality is known for what it is, but it's not, we're not attached, it's non attachment to it. Non attachment doesn't mean rejection or denial or judgment. So just recognizing this, non-attachment like this, I don't have to chuck you all out of this Dharma hall. Because you're merely conventional realities that are obstructing Paramatta Satcha for me. (laughs) If I do that, you know I've gone mad, I'm crazy. You better inject one of those drugs into me. <laughs> so then the, the dukkha of separation in, in, in the Jewish Christian religions, you know, the, the, the Garden of Eden the separation from God, isn't it? Adam and Eve, the, the, the identity with male, female, for one thing, isn't it? Obviously there's man, woman, and, uh, and the reactions between them, and, and so forth. This is, these are like an allegory, but it does point to, you know, this sense of being thrown out of this, Universal. This say Garden of Eden is oneness, metaphor for oneness, completeness, and then I become separate of myself. I'm, I'm a man, and they felt their their nakedness before it wasn't a problem. Then they ran around looking for fig leaves. (laughs) 
Because when you feel naked, isn't it? You feel like the sense of the word, English word naked, means you're exposed and you're separate and, and, and you're very vulnerable. Being naked means you're really in a state of vulnerability. And it, you can have, I used to have nightmares as a child of, 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 of being caught in a situation naked in a public situation where I was naked and, and, and everybody's laughing and looking at me and I was caught in this desire to just run away, hide from it all because I was exposed. Every, nothing, I, there was nothing hidden anymore. And I just felt terrified and threatened by this separateness. I was no longer one with the, with everything. I was, I was the object of ridicule, of of laughter, of humiliation, of rejection. So, so naked is, you know, is quite a strong word in English. When we when we talk about nudity, that's a kind of more artistic, aesthetic, isn't it? We talk about nudes. We go to see these great paintings in the National Gallery, the beautiful nude figures. And the nude is is, uh, is aesthetically pleasing, not nakedness. And this is just the way words, uh, how we use words. One of the Tibetan scriptures called it naked awareness. Sati Sampachanya is naked awareness. Which <laughs> is quite a good way of putting it. Because it is, it's like you're, you're letting go of everything. You know, you're totally exposed in sati sampachanya. Totally vulnerable. You know, it's like you're letting go of every protection, every, everything that, that, that you can hide behind and, and feel safe as, a, as an individual, as an entity, as a person into naked awareness, exposed and vulnerable. So that's why it can be, you know, frightening, terrifying at first. Because that is, that separateness. I'm this body, I'm this person. I'm in this vast universe that I see around me and I'm separate from it. It's hostile. There's so many frightening, unknown, hostile things around me. And the society I live in, you know, they, they can turn against me. We are, you know, all the dramas are about, you know, about being persecuted or humiliated or rejected, banished, exiled. where that sense of separateness is even intensified. You know, if we can just kind of agree on let's be nice to each other, it does create a sense of, you know, we can, we, we can at least not emphasize the separateness. When we, when we gang up on somebody, then it, it creates this sense of division. We're right and, and that one we're, we're against is wrong. Uh, that's like you can see it in modern political thinking, isn't it? Just seeking an enemy to to uh, to persecute, to punish, to destroy is the thinking mind. It's the, it's the divisive function. It's out of ignorance that we do this. So in the Sati Sampatanya, Santitika Dhamma. We're not trying to go into some kind of trance, to a kind of cop-out, you know, to where we just, let, I don't want to know anything about the conventional world, about, you know, I'm, I just want out of it, and I'm, I'm going into a state where I can forget everything. 
and going to maybe a lovely refined state of concentration by shutting everything off, by rejecting the world? Or was the Buddha asking us to receive the whole world, the whole universe, be the whole universe in one imminent moment of reality? So everything belongs, you know, everything, the, the worm in the apple, the snake in the garden, the devils and angels, Adam and Eve, God, everything. <laughs> and nothing, you know, includes, all inclusive. So the thinking process, which is, you know, thinking in terms of everything and no thing, But if you give up thinking, there's still knowing, isn't there? Intuitive apperception, sati-sampachanya, panya, then comes from this, seeing things as they are. <clears throat> knowing the ultimate reality. This, so this, this is knowing Puto, the knowing, the Dhamma. So this, this combination, the Buddha knows the Dhamma. But I'm not talking about some abstract Buddha, as if it was somebody else or something else, or some metaphysical truth that is way up there. But it's this moment here and now, Santitika, Akalika Dhamma, timeless. So this is, then this is timelessness. Have you ever just reflected, timelessness is this. And then, you know, what, what is what, you know, where is it? <laughs> well, it's present, you know. Present is a form of time, isn't it? Presence. Past, present, future. Because those are words again. It's, I mean, even the, the word present is a, is a, is a, is a divisive you know, it's, it's, its function is to divide, separate, define. But using the word, say, Pachubana Dhamma, present reality, Akalika Dhamma, is not projecting this concept onto anything right now, but recognizing, using this, it's a suggestion, a thought in the mind to reflect on the reality of now. Which is knowing now, but is not thinking about it or defining it or trying to figure it out. So it's also, at the same time, like not knowing. Like Sansinim's don't know mind. But not knowing is knowing, isn't it? You know you don't know. You're not trying to, as a person, you're not trying to be, you know, God that knows everything about everything. Like saying, in terms, God knows everything about everything. Even the, the most insignificant termite, God knows what that termite is thinking, right? <laughs> Imagine if we had to do that. How, what a mess your mind would be if every termite, every flea, what they were thinking or feeling was in your consciousness. Nightmare. But that's taking that concept to absurdity, isn't it? It's uh, trying to become God. We bec it's megalomania. It's, it's, uh, 
hubris, isn't it? It's the ego inflates and wanting to become all-powerful, all-knowing. Where in Dhamma, it's humbling. It's like not knowing anything, not being anybody. Powerless. So these concepts that we're using, and like paramatta satcha, ultimate truth, and samutsatcha, conventional truth, these are these are concepts, and they, of course, they're because they're concepts. They divide, separate. <clears throat> but learning to use the concepts not for attachment or taking positions or getting caught up in the conceptual, uh, you know, in out of ignorance and just uh, you know forming opinions about it, but. That using the concepts, their suggestions, skillful means, ways of looking, of of investigating Santitika Akalika Dhamma, here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, Ehipasika Dhamma. And so it's like, Come and see. This ahi is the is the believe the because come and see dhamma. You know, it's kind of like an invitation. Come on, wake up right now. Encouraging investigation is, is kind of misses the the kind of urgency of it. The in the invitation. You know, encourages investigation. Doesn't have the same. Has the same kind of encouragement. Come and see. Wake up right now. Look. Parent here and now, timeless, like this. Investigate it. You know, what is it? And then this is uh, through the. This is intuitive. What I call intuitive awareness, where with wisdom, informing. Conscious, the consciousness we're experiencing through this individual, through these individual forms, this conscious form, encouraging awakened attention, awakeness, butto, knowing the way it is. So it, it, this is a you know this is a a natural state, it's not a. That's why it's not. It's you know as you begin to recognize, realize it, trust it, cultivate it, then then the conventional world is 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 not rejected or despised, and that you're not no longer a problem. You know one can. You know, because the conventions belong also, but but they're not ends in themselves. They're no longer identities. They're no, no longer defining ourselves, separating ourselves with the conventional realities. We're free from that limitation, from that uh, oppression of blind attachment to namarupa. So then this is the experience of bliss. But then if we, you know, then, you know, then we, 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 we get drawn back into, into the old habits of the convention of the Samut, Samuti Satcha. And uh, and we remember, remember like like have been on a trip on a high in that retreat. I had this blissful state, non-attachment. Then we, <clears throat> then we 
if you know so this is where learning to trust yourself don't don't do this to get bliss you know don't it's not like if you really do what I say you're going to experience bliss you want you can give up heroin and that <laughs> throw your syringes away <laughs> I can solve all your problems <laughs> Because anything, you know, bliss is a, you know, the, the danger, of like vipassana bakilesas, the defilements that come with practicing vipassana is uh, is one of the problems where we we do have insights, experience the insight, profound insights, but then it easily becomes a memory. We remember and want to have and what we remember as being pleasant, we want it again. It creates this desire to some pleasant memory means that makes me want to have that kind of experience again. So it's desire again takes over. Dunha starts, you know, leads to leads me that's got me by the the nose again, pulling me around. So that's where this Santitika Akalika Dhamma apparent here now timeless. Don't do it in order to attain bliss. But just trusting, learning to even in the state of of anguish and despair, of of fear and terror and misery and pain and that. Don't go trying to get rid of it. You know, just trust the open, the attitude of open receptivity, allowing misery, pain, despair to be the way it is. Rather than try remembering that some previous time where you felt this wonderful bliss. You were beyond pain and despair, and you felt one with everything. I want that again. Is that that, that is the the thinking process, remembering a pleasant experience from the past, creating a desire, wanting to have that again, and then getting frustrated and angry with anything that gets in your way. So this is where the the knower of the world. The Buddha, the Bhutto, knower of the world. The world is like this. The body. It's a painful reality, isn't it? Having a human body. It's all about pain, isn't it? How much pleasure do you get out of it? You know, you can't. We want the pleasurable experiences through the body, but then so much of our experience is, you know, hunger, thirst, having to go to the toilet, um, too hot, too cold, sit too long, pain in the legs, bad liver, old age. <laughs> you know, having a human body is, is uh, you know, it's an irritating, unpleasant, experience most of the time. <clears throat> but that's, you know, that that's uh, not a statement of aversion to the body, but recognizing the body is this way. We're not trying to, to avoid it or change it or deny the body, but to learn from the body because the body makes that you know because of its limitation its sensitivity the nature of the body kind of compels us to awaken because of the first noble truth if we if we stop just trying to ignore it or despise it or or um, you know, try to give it. You know, identify uh, 
thinking I am this body and and being lost in the in the in the uh, in that limitation because it's so so separate, so vulnerable, so so painful uh, uh, an experience. So then, the, what the Buddha is offering is a way of learning from limitation, but by letting go of it, not getting rid of it. Learn from pain, from despair, from doubt, from anguish. Through reflecting on, investigating, apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation. 